freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 266 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is protect your vote. And our guest is Bobby Lawrence. Bobby is the founder of protectyourvoteusa.org. Bobby also created the largest and most effective social media group defending the Electoral College on Facebook. The main focus of protectyourvoteusa.org is defending our constitutional electoral college from the California left-wing attack known as the National Popular Vote Compact. Welcome to the show, Bobby. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So talk to us about this. I guess the cool kids would call it the MPV, right? The National Popular Vote Agreement and what it is and why we should care about it. Okay. Well, yeah, what, what it is, <clears throat> the National Popular Vote Compact, it's a movement that's making its way through the states. And what it does is it undermines our constitutional electoral college. And it undermines it because as everyone knows, we pledge allegiance to the flag and it's a republic that we pledge allegiance to. It's not a democracy. We have a beautiful republic, like Benjamin Franklin said, it's a republic if you can keep it. What the Democrats are trying to do, mainly California Democrats are funding this movement, is they're trying to force our republic form of government and electing our president, they're trying to force it to function as a direct democracy. And they're doing it using the constitution against itself because there was a loophole created in 2000 with the Bush versus Gore lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court from Florida. And that lawsuit simply stated several things. One of the things that it said was the states are supreme or what they call a legal term, plenary, which means they are supreme and ultimate, uh, not questioned in how they assign their electoral delegates. The recent Supreme Court case that, we, that the Supreme Court heard this year, they reaffirmed that. <clears throat> a large majority of the Supreme Court reaffirmed that that the states not only have the right to assign their delegates, the states also have the right because a majority of the states have these laws and it's a practice that's been, that's been done for decades. The states have the right and the authority to hold their electors accountable for the party that wins the popular vote. 
Now that's what it says in the latest Supreme Court case was the, the popular vote. Now it does not specify whether it's a popular vote of the national accrual or if it's a popular vote within the state. So there's kind of a little loophole there in that one sentence. Now it's 33 pages, this latest Supreme Court ruling, but it's 33 pages and that's the one sentence that really leaves a gigantic hole for this national popular vote thing to, to, to be upheld. The one thing that we have that we can do to stop it is we, you know, we can, uh, you know, people think that, is it, is it constitutional? Is it not constitutional? And, and the question is, do we want to let it get to that point where the Supreme Court decides whether it is or not? And, you know, there's basically two ways that they can do it. Or that when I say they, I mean the left. And when I say do it, I mean undermine our electoral college or do away with it. One is by the states doing what they're doing, which we'll get into in more detail. And the other way that they can do it is through an Article 5 convention or through Congress with a large majority, supermajority, they can amend the Constitution to do away with the Electoral College. So they realize, the left realizes that they are not going to be able to get that through the Congress. So the way that they're doing it is state by state. And what makes this so dangerous is it doesn't change the Constitution. What it does is it actually uses the Constitution against itself through Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 2, Line 1. And that is, uh, it simply states that the states, you know, shall appoint a number of electors as the legislatures thereof may direct. The states shall appoint a number of electors as the state legislatures thereof may direct. That's the one sentence that Bush versus Gore in 2000 upheld. And also they referenced it heavily in this latest Supreme Court case that they heard just this year on faithless electors. Now, you know, the one thing that, that the folks really, really need to understand is, you know, we don't have a popular, a national popular vote for president because the president is not a direct representative of the people of the United States. The president is called the president of the United States. The president is the president of the member states that are a member or a party to the compact, the very first compact that the, that the, 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 the 13 original states entered into, that compact was called the Constitution of the United States of America. It's a simple compact and they constituted a form of government for specific and enumerated powers. And that's where it stopped. And that was called federalism. And, and that's what we live under as a federalism, as a federalistic system is federalism and it's a republic form of government and representation. So the Democrats, as, they, as, as you know, the, they want to amass more and more power. They're doing so much right now to, to attack our, the way we elect our, our representatives and our president with the mail-in voting. They've got voter vouchers. You know, uh, I can go on and on and on about all the money and all the people that are attacking how we elect our representatives. And their main goal is to centralize more and more power and control through the elections. 
and they've got numerous ways. I mean, I can go through 20 different ways of how they're doing this. When I say this, they are trying to undermine our republic form of government on many levels. The very first attack that happened on our republic form of government was in 1913 with the 17th Amendment. And that was where we lost the state sovereignty of the U.S. senators. The U.S. senators used to be elected by the state house. So your state house of representative or your state delegates at your state level government would elect two U.S. senators to represent the sovereignty of the states against federal government overreach. And how the left, Woodrow Wilson, we all know how extremely left he was and racist. And he was the most progressive president we've ever had in our lifetime. And he's also done the most damage to our republic form of government through a direct taxation called the income tax. He was a big proponent of, of a new world order, which he called the League of Nations. He undermined our republic form of representation our state's representations, representation with the 17th Amendment. The 16th Amendment gave the federal government the right to tax us as an individual. I mean, I can go on and on and on about how much our republic has been attacked over the last 100 years, but that was the biggest blow that we took to, as an attack on our republic. So the president was never intended to be a direct representative of the people. The president was never intended, the presidency, was never intended to have that much power and that much authority over individual lives, individual people. The president was limited, as the founders intended, to represent the states, mostly from without. That would be commerce. Now, when they say interstate commerce, they don't mean between the member states. The, the founders meant between the member states and those abroad who are not members of the state. That was interstate commerce. And it's the Supreme Court and legal cases and, and people that misunderstood it. Now we have interstate commerce where the federal government regulates commerce between member states from Pennsylvania and Arizona and how they do business. The federal government says, oh, we can regulate that through the interstate commerce clause. Well, the founders never intended that. That was never part of it. So this national popular vote thing, I kind of got off track there. There's a lot that's underpinning that and undermines our republic. The national popular vote is the latest and most well-funded scheme to attack our republic form of elections and the way we elect our president it is, it, and I've ever, that's ever happened in the last 100 years since the 17th Amendment. I mean, you know, people don't understand, a lot of people don't understand, you know, that we have 50 separate elections, plus DC, plus Puerto Rico, plus a few others. So we have 50 separate states that elect the president. Each state holds a popular vote, which was never intended by the founders. It's just something that we started doing in practice, and that's just the way it is. So, <clears throat> The, that's where it came from as far as, you know, it was never intended for, for, for the president to be a direct representative of the people. The states hold 50 elections 
And then the president has to win a majority of those states. So the Electoral College was created so that smaller states could have a say-so. Because one of the things that the founders were really, really worried about, and they, they, they talked about this, Hamilton talked about this, and Madison talked about this a little bit, and they were very concerned about big cities. You know, uh, I believe it was Alexander Hamilton that said, the biggest threat that our republic faces is the cities and the culture of the big cities, the group think of the big cities, because they all tend to be homogenous, which means they all, they all think the same, basically. They all live the same lifestyle, which is different than the farmers and the people who manufactured things who lived out in the rural areas. They think differently. People in, people in California and people in New York that live in a high rise that have a patch of grass about this big, they think really differently than someone who has five acres to mow and needs a firearm to protect themselves against coyotes and predators. Mm -hmm. They don't think that you need that because we live in a high rise. Why do you need a lawnmower? Right. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just where we are all products of our environment. If we were born in Africa, we would think that termites and ants were a delicacy, but we weren't born there. We were born where we're at in the United States and we don't eat termites and ants. You understand? But it's perfectly normal in, 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 in Africa in some countries, some places. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's one of the things that the founders were very aware of and very acutely response, response. They had a very acute and detailed response to that concern that the big cities would have more and more influence over how they selected the president. So the smaller states were able to, to, to have representation through the Electoral College. I'm sorry, you had a question? Mm -mm. No, 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 go ahead. Okay, no. so that's that's where the founders came up with the Electoral College. Now, one of the things that the left is pushing really hard is they're saying that the Electoral College was formed because of states and slave owners, and they didn't want slaves to count. That's all a bunch of hooey. That's a lie. That did, that did not come into play in the discussions. It, 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 if you read the Federalist Papers and you read the ratification articles, they, they will clearly lay out for you why the Electoral College was envisioned and the detail detailed out the way that it is and why they had why they they introduced it as part of the Constitution. It had nothing zero to do with slavery. That's just the falsehood that the left is is putting out there. That's actually the first time I've ever heard that um, being being used in that way. Um, so that's interesting that it's uh, being perpetuated out there as some new thought, as though it's just common knowledge. Um, but but yeah, I had not heard that. Yeah, um, yes, it is. Now here, here I, want, I want to lay out for you. I've got some visuals here that I want to show you. <clears throat> mm -hmm. This little book here is the Constitution of the United States of America. Yep. It's a little tiny thing, and it's not even a quarter of an inch thick. That's the Constitution. We formed a nation on what is in that little book. And it's the longest lasting constitutional republic in the history of the world. And it'll take you like an hour to read it. And how many people actually read it? It makes me crazy. I exactly. Challenge almost every week I challenge people. Exactly. Time. 
So let me walk you through this. So this is the Constitution of the United States. This book is called the Federalist Papers. And if you can see it, I, it's a well-read book. I refer to this thing constantly. It's easy to memorize that puppy, which I have. This one, it takes a little bit more work. Now, this book is called the Federalist Papers. And about that much of it is the Federalist Papers, okay? The rest of it explains the Federalist Papers. So the founders explained what they meant by this thing with something called the Federalist Papers. And what that was, the Federalist Papers were simple white papers that the founders printed up and circulated through the population to explain to the population what they meant by this and why it was important to have it, okay? Now, for two pages, not even two pages in this book, all right? Right there, that much of this book, this is what the left wing is using to attack it. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This book is called Every Vote Equal. Mm. And this book is what they are using to attack two sheets in this book. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. Boy, and they always use such pretty words, right? Every it's a lot of words. And you know what this amounts to is toilet paper. <laughs> you know, everybody was worried about toilet paper during the pandemic. There you go. Well, I, I had my supply right here. <laughs> if I ever got to that point, because everything in this book is lies and innuendos and falsehoods. And, and one section in this book on, on one of the pages, it says that they are not attacking the electoral college. They want to preserve the electoral college. This is only an experiment, this national popular vote movement. And then if you go 20 pages later, it says the ultimate goal is to is for the elimination of the electoral college. Mm -hmm. So the book, the book contradicts itself over and over and over and over again. So this is what the, they're, they're doing. This book is funded by a fellow by the name of John Coza. Right there is the people that are doing it. John Coza. And John Coza is, lives in California, and he was the inventor of the scratch-off lottery ticket. So that's how he got his millions and billions of dollars. And he throws money at this project, this national popular vote project. They, in my state of Pennsylvania, <clears throat> we have almost 300, it's right around 300 elected representatives between the Senate and the House members. It's right around 300. And they gave this book, one of these books to every single one of them. Now imagine what that thing costs to get printed up. It's heavyweight, it's heavyweight paper, it's 20 pound paper, and it's not even large print, it's all close print, it's small print. Imagine the time and money and effort that was spent on that book to attack one page, one or two pages in this book. Right. That's how but determined I, the left wait, is. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Bobby, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm adding something up here. Okay, yeah. he's from California, right? Yeah. Okay, he needed, a, they need to cut all the trees down and make paper and try to put something in the paper to stop the fires that are burning in the forest. <laughs> right. That's the whole purpose of this book. Gosh. Right, me. right. Well, so our one saving grace is that I can almost bet you 
that the majority of the people who have actually taken an oath to protect and preserve and uphold this tiny little document haven't taken the hour to read it. So maybe they're not going to take the time to read that big uh, well, phone book. How many congressmen, have you, how many Congress people book. have you known, elected officials, that even knows what the Constitution is? What I'm saying. Yeah, look at the governor of not New many. Jersey that said that was uh, uh, above his pay grade. The Constitution was above his pay grade. Bill so if they're not going to read this, they're not reading that. But you That's know what they'll exactly do? That's right. But they'll pass it and they read it later. Yeah, well, the that's exactly right. Feels so good, yeah. you know. So they're going to try to, you know, nobody reads past the headline and reads past the title of the book. That's why subtitles of books have become paragraphs now, right? right. Because Ex exactly, exactly. You know, one of the things I, I started doing some work with uh, Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's on board with this fight uh, tremendously. He, he, he agrees with me. He thinks that Charlie, this I'm talking about, Charlie Kirk, he, th he agrees with me. And he thinks that this is the biggest threat that we face to our republic is, is this undermining of our electoral college. And, and he, he has a complete team of people that he has hired at Turning Point USA. And their only focus is defending and educating students about the electoral college and what a republic form of government is. And the one thing that a politician can do to get both Charlie and myself hot under the collar is call us a democracy. Yes. We are not a democracy. Nowhere in the founding documents, which is the Declaration of Independence, which this book includes, by the way, the mm -hmm. Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Nowhere. And the Bill of Rights. Yes. Yes. And the Bill of Rights. Nowhere in this book and nowhere in this book, the Federalist Papers, does it say the word democracy. Hmm. Interesting. They knew what democracy was. It was mob rule. Mm -hmm. Democracy is, is two wolves and a lamb deciding on what's for dinner. That was uh, lamb, that Franklin. Uh, who said that? Ben Franklin. Benjamin I Franklin, I believe it was. Um, so I was just going to ask you, so wh what do we do about it? What's the fix? And it sounds like, you know, at, at least, you know, Turning Point with their influence and they've got teams of people. So for, you know, the generation coming up, perhaps there's some hope. Is there something in the, in the immediacy of an election that's like moments away from us? Is there anything that we can be doing? There, there is. There is. And, and, and I can share this with you. How dire is this? How far along have they gotten? Right now, the left has 196 out of the 270 electors that they need to control the electoral college. Hmm. Now, the good thing is, is that the, the national popular vote agreement does not go into effect until they achieve the 270. So right now, it's kind of a dead, it's not actionable because they don't have enough to actually control the outcome. Thank goodness. So, yes, thank goodness. But they have 196. That's a lot. That's a lot. At what point do we take them seriously? At 269? Yeah. You know, I choose to take them seriously right now. So there, are, there is some things that we can do. New Hampshire had a bill that they entered, one lawmaker up there introduced. It's a beautiful piece of legislation. I call it the short circuit legislation to the national popular vote. And that piece of legislation 
what it does is it changes the way that the states report their vote tallies to the federal government. It changes the way they report it. So instead of reporting raw vote numbers, like we had 100,000 for this candidate, we had 126,000 for this candidate. That's how the states report it now. The short circuit bill, what it does is, it says we had 54% for this candidate and the remaining went to these three kids, to these two candidates or whatever. whatever many. So the, the majority of the candidate, the, the candidate we're telling you won got 54%. And instead of that, that would short circuit it because what the national popular vote needs is they need a total number of votes cast mm -hmm. from enough member states, from enough states to say that I won the popular vote across the country, which is mm -hmm. all the states together and they won. Now, everybody, I hope everybody understands this. California, Southern California, and New York City, those two areas alone, Southern California and New York City, those two areas alone makes up almost half of the population of the country. That's crazy when you think about that. Holy cow. And talk about that homogenous mindset. Oh yeah, they have you a know, completely that, different view. Right, that cultural pressure, that peer pressure. Yes. That society puts on you that you know defund the police black lives matter antifa we can go on and on and on about what they think is okay in new york andrew cuomo celebrated him signing legislation to kill a baby five minutes before it was born hmm. naturally it's okay to take that child five minutes before it's naturally born and kill that child Wow. The governor of Virginia, Northam, talked about, this is exactly how he said it. He said, what we would do with the child is we would make it comfortable. Oh, I remember that. And then the mother and I would have a conversation about what to do. And the context that he was talking about that was in the case of a, of a handicapped child that was born and the mother didn't want it. Northam thought that it was perfectly normal and okay to say, we will take the child and we will make it comfortable. And then the mother and I will have a conversation. And the news person said, a conversation about what? Whether or not to terminate the life after it was it's no longer after a pregnancy it. that you're terminating it is it's not a pregnancy it's called a murder a delivered yeah. child it's a called murder. murder oh my and the governor the mr blackface klu klux klan wearing whichever one he was thinks that that's okay that's that that's what like, we're up against that's, that's what we're up against me that sounds like somebody's a, a ruler not a oh that's terrible who thinks he is so you know, I, I toyed with this idea after um, the last election when Hillary just couldn't stop, you know, explaining away and blaming away all of the reasons why she didn't win and, you know, whining and complaining about how she'd had the, the popular vote. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if this coming election, if uh, the opponent, who is our incumbent, President Trump, 
what if he were to get not only the electoral college, but also the popular vote? Do you think that would reverse some of the that's, excitement? That's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. And, and I get that a lot in my group, my Facebook group. A lot of new members, they, they post that question. They post that and then they laugh. Ha, ha, ha on them. Okay, well, let me, yeah, let me explain something to you. The National Popular Vote Movement started December 31st in 2000, mm -hmm. before George Bush was ever sworn into office. Mm. There was a blog that was going on between several colleges, and the professors were talking about how do we under how do we do away with the electoral college? We can't let this happen again. Now that was the very first mention of this was on December 31st in 2000. So they've been working on it for 20 years. Do you think that John Koza cares who the president is right now? No, it's not about Donald Trump. It's about future presidents. It's about robbing us of our representation, gotcha. of the state's representation. It's about the left controlling controlling us, putting those hands around the neck of the American citizen. You already see what they're doing with the masks, the mask Nazis. When, yes. the, when the science does not support it, you have the left-wing nuts out there saying, the science, the science. Okay, well, the scientists say, Anthony Fauci, wearing a mask does not do anything for you. The World Health Organization wearing a mask does not do things for you. Yet the Center for Disease Control come out and say, oh, well, we actually only have 9,814 people that died out of the 200,000 from coronavirus only, COVID-19. The rest of them all had an average of 2.6 other comorbidities, which means they already had fatal diseases 2.6 times okay yeah. was the average they had an average of 2.6 on top of contracting COVID-19 yeah so 9,000 people less than 10,000 people died from coronavirus COVID-19 alone and that's yeah. the CDC telling us that number yes and then there was something that came out just this past week about the people that have you know tested positive for coronavirus that the vast majority, like 80% or something, always 100% of the time that they're like awake, I guess, are wearing masks. So the wearing of the mask is somehow actually co correlating with people catching it. And it could be that the air gets in and gets trapped, could be they're touching it constantly with dirty hands. I mean, yep. I don't know the yep. reasons why, but yes, it's like- yes. People lock on this idea that this is going to be the end all be all. And then they block out any, they get tunnel vision with it. Exactly. And it's one thing if you want to have tunnel vision with it, but it's another thing entirely when you want to force the rest of us to live through cognitive dissonance that we really, we're not buying into this, but yet we have to behave like we are just so we don't get, you know, yelled and screamed at on, as we're walking. It's called bullying. Bullying. Yeah. Absolutely. It's controlling us to wear the mask. Okay, so I don't want to get off on the mask thing. Sorry. No, no, no that's okay, because believe me, I, we can do a whole hour show on the mask thing. Sorry, I mean, the CDC's, sorry. you know, if you look at the mask thing, you know, the surgical mask that the doctors wear when they're operating on you, 
they have to change them every 20 minutes. And that's in a sterile environment because after 20 minutes, the mask, instead of becoming a prophylactic, it becomes the contributor. Yes. Now it's contaminated. Now it's actually spreading it. And that's only 20 minutes. Yes. So that's a sterile environment. So now let's go to the grocery store. You think a grocery store is sterile? Oh, my heavens, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. So anyhow, let's get back on this. So the point in going down the mass thing was about how the left thinks and how they want to put their put their necks, their, 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 their fists, their palms around the neck of the average thinking American human being. Mm -hmm. And that's really what they want. They want to force their views and their way of life on the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And conservatives, Republicans by and large, conservatives, constitutional conservatives, we want to be left alone. You live your life. You raise your children. We'll live our life. We'll raise our children. And everybody's going to get along just fine. Wouldn't that you know, be wonderful? The, yeah, exactly. But the left is not like that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, that I really like to nail down for people is just what is the proper role? Because why do we have an electoral college? What is the republic? Why is the republic so important over and above a direct democracy? Democracy is the end all be all, according to the left. You know, so let's talk about that for a little bit. What is a republic? You know, and why do we have a U.S. House of Representatives? And why do we have a U.S. Senate? And why do we have a president of the United States? Why do we have a state house of delegates and a state house of senators and a governor in each state? Why do we have that? What was the founder's intent of that? What is a Republican form of government? What, what is that? So if you look at this and you look at why government was created, the founders tell us that they created government to secure these rights among men, which meant mankind, not man as a sex. Yes. So they formed this government to secure these freedoms and liberties for all mankind. So how do we do that? What has to be represented in a representative republic? Mm -hmm. So we have a US House and the main purpose, the main, what they call the first principle, the founders call it first principle, which means that's above all, what is their job responsibility? In a republic, the US House or your state house representative or delegate, their first principle is to jealously guard your personal freedom. Is that because, happening? Because, yeah. no, it's not, because they don't know that. Your personal freedom. Now, I, I, I ran for Senate back in 2018, and I thought, well, I better look up the words liberty and freedom because I want to talk about them because it's important. And I looked up the word liberty just, just by chance. And the liberty, if you look it up, for those people that have, pull your cell phone up right now and Google the word liberty. If you look at it, it says liberty is freedom from, freedom to, and freedom of. So liberty is an action that's derived from personal freedom. So if you go look up freedom, it says freedom to, to pursue freedom to express so we have to have personal freedom so we can exercise individual liberties 
in the pursuit of happiness as we define it mm -hmm. in a rule of law. Mm -hmm. That's why government was created so that we, the people, must have something to protect our personal freedom so we can exercise our individual liberties in pursuit of happiness as we, the individual, defines it within a common sense rule of law. And that law must be equally applied to all citizens regardless of socioeconomic status, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. That's the principle of which the United States of America was founded on. And how many politicians do you know, or have you ever heard, were able to put words to what it means to be a representative? It's not to keep us safe. It's not to give us free things. Right. It is to jealously guard our personal freedom. And then you have the U.S. Senate. The U.S. Senate or your state senator, their job is to jealously guard, jealously, jealously guard and defend the state sovereignty from federal government overreach. The first job of your state senator is to jealously guard your county, your city, your business, your organization, your nonprofit, their job at the state level is to jealously guard the sovereignty of those organizations from the state overreach. And the U.S. Senator is to jealously guard the state sovereignty from federal government overreach. And the president of the United States was elected to represent these United States of America. And all states are equal, just as all people, all men and all women are to be seen equal under the rule of law, are to be seen equal for opportunity, not equal outcome, equal opportunity for personal advancement, for professional advancement, for education. We all have the same equal opportunity, not guaranteed outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what this country was founded on. And that's why they thought that a republic was better than a, than, a, than a direct democracy. Now, the way the founders thought about this, your representative, right now, the U.S. House of Representatives, if you take 330 million people and you divide it by 435, you come up with about 750,000 people. So on average, <clears throat> your U.S. House of Representative member, mine happens to be Dr. John Joyce, your U.S. House of Rep Representative member represents about 750,000 people on average. The founders never intended that. The founders' vision was that the most that a representative should be responsible for or be held accountable to was about 50,000 people. Wow. Now, take, three, take 330 million people and divide it by 50,000. We would have over 6,000 members in the U.S. House of Representatives. No. <laughs> okay. Let's divide, it by, let's divide it. Now, let's just stop thinking about this. Oh, my stop God. Stop about this. You're just giving if, me shivers. If we had that right now, 
Do you think that the Democrats would be in control of the House of Representatives? Hmm. Stop and think about it. We are, by and large, a center-right conservative nation. Hmm. We raise our children. We believe in hard work. We believe in right and wrong. We believe in the rule of law. We support our military. We love our country. America is the greatest nation in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. Capitalism and freedom has lifted more people from poverty than any other form of government. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Hands down. So if, if we had 6,000 members, how much crap do you think would get through there? The, the, the oh, amount that just sounds like Listen, a nightmare after watching the SCOTUS, uh, you know, Senate well, hearings right now. That's um, the Senate. That's the Senate. Okay, I know, but I'm Senate. just, I'm like, you multiply that by how. No, oh, no, no. Yeah. Stop, stop. <laughs> There's a division between the House and the Senate. Yeah. We're talking about the House of Representatives. Have you ever met your personal House of Representative member? Yes. Yes, I'm you have. active in that how way, many, but very few people do. How many of your neighbors and friends that you hang out with, how many of your circle of influence actually have met that person? Well, What's the likelihood that they will meet them? It very, very unlikely in our circle. I mean, when you talk about the people that she meets and talks to on the show and stuff, a lot. But there's- A lot. The, the average people, person, the average no. person, You're yeah, right. Relatives, You're right. friends like that, no. I'm talking about everyday American. Everyday right. American. You go to the grocery store. How many yeah. people in that grocery store? You go to the grocery store, you still buy your own milk and eggs and bread, right? Yeah. You're not that rich, right? No. It's a personal <laughs> shopper. Yeah, I'm not either. No, no I do okay? not. <laughs> I'm not either. So we still go to the grocery store. We still buy our own eggs and milk and bread, all right? Yeah. So how many of those people at the grocery store do you think actually met your representative? Very, very few. Very, very they, don't, few. they don't know who it is. They don't know what they do. Bobby, we just had a we just had a show about that, and the thing is, the representative representatives say we're here to represent you, but the the liberals are the ones that are speaking the loudest, so they're hearing right, them. Right. So if stop thinking exactly. Right. So stop so thinking about this. If you only had fifth, everybody complains about money and politics. So if you only had fifty thousand people to represent. Would you need to raise $6 million for a house race primary? No. Would you need to raise, and if you're senators, if you're state senator, you're, you're U.S. senator, if your U.S. senator was elected by your House of Representatives, mm -hmm. would they need to raise $50 million? No. No, because in my case, there's 200 people that would make the choice. Right. And you and those 200 people, it's easy to pick the phone up and call them because they'll call you right back. Right. Pick the phone up now and call your senator's office and see if your U.S. senator will call you back. Maybe you, you get an aid. You can't yeah, get an yeah aid you're lucky you. if you get an aid to call you back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where it's at. The, the founders wanted people to be able to know personally their representative. Now, do we need 6,000 representatives? No. We, in, in modern times, with travel, with, with the, as fast as we can travel and telecommunications and all that stuff and cell phones, but I'm telling you this, 100,000 is not out of the question. Hmm. 100,000 people. 100,000 people per representative. Yeah, right. That's not out of the question. And just think how much closer 
to the people. Here's, here's the people. Here's the representative. Imagine if this is 750,000. How much, how, who gets to know that U.S. representative out of 750,000 people? Not very many. But if it's only 50,000 and that representative, well, guess what? Now that representative can probably meet half of them Mm -hmm. in in, in four or five years. Mm -hmm. But now you got to get the 6,000 to communicate with each other. The 6,000. And it's easier. It's it's easier with technology. So maybe you don't need 6,000. But here's the the responsibility. I'm sorry. Might make the responsibility of the individual feel more real that they are supposed to to interact with their elected official. Exactly. Now, how do you get, if you had 6,000 representatives, how fast do you think the federal government could do stupid things? (laughs) Because the majority of what the federal government does is stupid things. Do we agree? Oh, yeah. I do not disagree. (laughs) Okay, so how fast do you want the federal government to be able to do stupid things? Slowly, exactly. So six thousand people would move a little slower, wouldn't it? That's true. That is true. I will exactly give you that. And you still only have a hundred senators. Yes. Because we are a republic, and the states we need to repeal the Seventeenth Amendment. We need to repeal the Sixteenth Amendment too, for that matter. Which is the individual income tax. You need to go to every college in this country and start uh, talking about. Uh, the Constitution is what you need to do. Well, well that's like. exactly that's before the shutdown. That's exactly what Charlie Kirk was helping me do. Mm-hmm. He was providing the platform and and providing you know the means and methods of getting there. And uh, and we were doing it, and we were starting to it was starting to really take off. Yeah. So the thing that I'm saying to people is that's why we have that. That and the senators are a representative of the state. They're not a representative of the people. Mm-hmm. But we made that a popular vote. So now in my state and in your state, I'm sure as well, in my state, I'm looking at a map of my state right there behind my computer screen. I have Pittsburgh, a little spot of Harrisburg and all of Philadelphia. And that's who chooses our Senator. Mm-hmm. That's who chooses our governor. So what we call the center T, which is Franklin, Huntington, Miffin County, Juanita, Center County, Clarion County, Cameron, Potter, uh, yeah, Tioga County, you know, all those center T counties, they are not represented because we don't have an electoral college. We have 67 counties in Pennsylvania, wow. and they are not all equally represented when it comes to a statewide election because right. we don't have an electoral college. That's why people in the state look at Philadelphia, and it's not favorable how they look at Philadelphia because Philadelphia doesn't act like the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. So, but yet they're the ones that have an overwhelming say so in who our governor is and who our U.S. senator is. Right. But yet our state house and our state senate is controlled by Republicans. Right. Because they're locally elected. Yes. But we have a Democrat governor who's, he is the most liberal progressive governor. I mean, you got Whitmer up there who's running close second, but Tom Wolf is nuts. Tom Wolf, he has, we had a federal judge tell him that his 250 maximum, uh, you know, group that could get together, maximum attendance for any outdoor event, 250 people. We had a federal judge tell him that it was unconstitutional. You know what Tom Wolf did the very next day? He made a new order 
for the people, for only 10 people here and only five and 250 people. He wrote a new order that was unconstitutional. Like the, like the judge was talking to the wall. Tom I mean, Wall. What does he have to Gavin. lose, though, Bobby? What are they going to do? Gavin what are you going to do to him? What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, he, he's yeah, he's he's to the point where he is to the point where he's term limited out, so he can't run again. Mm-hmm. He has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. What he's doing now is he's hoping that Joe Biden wins so he can get a cabinet seat for, with Joe Biden. He wants a cabinet position or some kind of job in D.C. And, you know, there's rumors going around the state that he's already moved to New Jersey. Who knows? Well, we know he's not showing up for work in Harrisburg. Well, anyhow, it sounds like he, he and Phil Murphy would get along famously. So maybe New Jersey is, is a good place for him. Or he could go to California and hang out with Gavin Newsom. It sounds like they're all cut from the same kind of cloth. And yep. I don't know who it is they truly are representing. But it I cannot believe it is the majority because of all the things that you just laid out for us that who who Americans are what we truly believe in, what we truly stand for. Um, well, I, I didn't know, I know we're running out of time, Yeah. but I didn't know, are there states, a short answer, are there states that have electoral college votes for them, for the state, not for the federal, but just to for vote? The states, no, there, no, there's not. not that Could I you know. imagine if California or all of our states, you took how many counties you had and you made electoral college votes, how how would it be different in california right now because there are people crying that their voice is not heard and they vote how would it be different if we all just took the hour to read documents for ourselves exactly you know here here's the thing about this beautiful little document here's the one thing and this this saddens me and it also tempers my metal my metal but this saddens me I actually have self-proclaimed constitutional attorneys and professors that do not know what this document says. But they're a constitutional professor? They're they're a constitutional professor. I had one fellow from a famous college, a famous college in DC. I won't mention the name because he asked me not to. I made him look like a fool. And he didn't want that. Okay. This is hard. So I won't. This is hard. Well, he's what he did do is he allowed me to teach him. For, I, I spent two hours with him and I actually taught him about what this means and what the proper role of government is and your elected officials. And he was blown away. He said, I've been teaching for 22 years and I've been teaching them the wrong stuff. Wow. Okay. I'm going to give you, for instance, it's like this. You, you, do you know, uh, ever heard of a lady named Chris Ann Hall? Yes. Yeah. Chris Ann Hall. Yes. She tells a story and I'm going to share this story. Chris Ann Hall is a friend of mine. She follows me. We follow each other on Twitter. And, and Chris Ann Hall tells a story. This is what this document means. Okay. Somebody breaks into your house you're on vacation. You're, you're in wherever you want to go. So let's say you go to the Playa del Carmen down in Mexico and you're on vacation during the summer. And someone breaks into your house and they steal half your stuff and they take your car. And they're driving around the neighborhood with your car, right? You're, you're thousands of miles away. And are you mad that someone broke into your house and you don't, you don't know it now? Remember, you're, you're somewhere else. You don't know it's been stolen. 
So are you mad when you're on vacation about it? Well, no. You don't know. You don't know. Be mad. So when you get home and you get out of the taxi cab and you look at your house and you see that it's been broken into and you see your beautiful car is missing, mm. are you then, then are you mad? Mm -hmm. Then yeah. are you upset? Absolutely. Because you, yes, because now you have the knowledge yes. of what has been stolen from you. Yeah. And we've been stolen over the years. We've been stolen and, all, and a lot of our this, rights. Exactly. And this beautiful document is being stolen from us. Mm. Sentence mm -hmm. by sentence by mm -hmm. sentence mm -hmm. by I'm going to keep going. Yes. Sentence <laughs> by sentence <laughs> by yeah. sentence by sentence. I'm going to give you an example. People that tell me they're a constitutional scholar. I said, okay, Mr. Const or Mrs. Constitutional Scholar. There are five specific liberties listed in the First Amendment, what we call the Liberty Amendments, the first 10 amendments called the Bill of Rights. There were five specific liberties in the First Amendment alone. What are those five specific liberties? Can you name them without looking them up? And these are scholars. And these are scholars. Freedom of assembly, the right to petition, freedom of religion. What's the other one? speech and protest that's five of them right there so if people don't know that if you can't name and i say this to myself you know whenever i point the finger whenever we point the finger at somebody there's three of them pointing right back at us <laughs> right you know so i say this if you can't and remember there's three of them pointing at me if yeah, you yeah. can't name the first five then you don't know what's being stolen from you because there's how many other more are there living? Now you've got the first one. There's nine more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The second right. amendment is the second amendment for a reason, because the second amendment supports the first. It sure does. And it's all of 27 words. And if you don't exactly. have time to read that, you really have issues. And speaking of time, I hate to cut you off because we could talk all day but I do have to wrap. Um, Bobby, you are amazing. Uh, the knowledge that you have in that head of yours, I wish I had just a tenth of it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And uh, thank you very much for what you're doing. And we're sorry we have to cut you off. But That's fine. We can do this again if you want. For I, sure. We absolutely yes, will. And I yes. think it's so uh, important that we've done this before the election. I know some people have voted early already and that sort of thing. But we need to start thinking about these things and, and taking these things seriously, because uh, guess what? We're going to blink and it's going to be another election. Um, but I just wish I had I just wish I had a teacher mm -hmm. in high school that would have given me even a, enough of an idea to know to look further. No, I don't know and, what we don't know. And your but... conversation did that. So All thank right. you. Well, will you please You're tell folks welcome. how they can continue to learn from you and find uh, more about all that you're doing, Bobby? Right on. How you can follow me is, is you can find me on, on Twitter. It's just at Bobby Lawrence. I don't do much on Twitter because they have us on Twitter has, uh, has conservatives and constitutionalists. They have us so shut down that I've kind of backed off from Twitter. I don't want to get my account deleted, so I've stopped posting on there for a while. But my Twitter account is just at Bobby Lawrence, B-O-B-B-Y-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. -E. That's my Twitter. You can find me on Facebook as Bobby Lawrence. 
Now, um, if you want to find my page, I have about 40,000 followers on my page. Uh, my page is you can at the search bar on Facebook. It's at Lawrence, the number four PA. That's at Lawrence four PA. And that's my Facebook page. And you can find my Facebook group. It's it's Facebook slash groups slash protect your vote. So if you want to find the group, you can just go to the search bar and type in protect your vote and the group will pop up. I think we're right around 13,000 followers uh, or I mean members. These are vetted members where you have to answer some questions to get into the group. Our administrators there, I've got some phenomenal administrators in the group. They're very active. Um, you know, so they will look at your profile, they'll look at your questions, and if, if you're a really a truthful, you know, uh, um, um, authentic patriot, and you're going to actually fight to support our electoral college and support our republic, they'll let you in the group, no problem. So when I say we have 13,000 members, we have almost 13,000 members that have been vetted, that have their profiles have been looked at. They've answered questions and they write emails. That's the only power that we have. The last peaceful power that we have as American citizens is the power to vote and the power to petition our elected officials. When that fails, and I said when, that fails. And if that fails, we have the Second Amendment. We have the right, the constitutional right and duty to throw off an unresponsive government and replace it with a government that does represent us. And that's in the Constitution of the United States. It is. It's in the Declaration of Independence. So go on vacation and come back in your house is broken into and your constitution is gone, right? Yep. So the thing is, read that constitution. Find me on Facebook. And it's, it's a very powerful group. Protect your vote. We'd love to have you in there. And, and uh, you know, it's our country. Yeah. We the people own this country, not the elites, not the left wing, not George Soros, mm -hmm. not these crazy left wing governors, and not these rioters and anarchists, these Antifas and the BLM. Now, Black Lives Matter, the political organization, they don't own this country. Right. Okay. We'll tell them that. <laughs> this is not a Marxist country. This is, you know, so it's up to us. Yeah. It's our country. It's our republic. And what are you going to do to save your country? For sure. Bobby right. Lawrence, thank you very, very much for being on the show today. Uh, we learned a lot. Hope to see you again soon. Thank yes. you very certainly, much. Certainly, certainly. Y'all take care now. Uh, bye -bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Boy, wow, that we doesn't went, fire you up. Yes, we went way over on this set. But you know what? Every word he said meant truth and a lot to it so bobby i really appreciate you being on the show today and Absolutely. thank you very much and to our mutual friend sherry long who hooked us up and connected us so she's uh she's pretty dang awesome i yes. met her uh when i went to uh was it i went the delaware um speech that i gave uh, a year or so ago and she's been an amazing constitutionalist that has helped connect me with other amazing constitutionalists and that's there's that networking that we we want to do through our show and the guests that we bring on, um, sharing information. And so thank you to Bobby and thank you to our listeners who are part of that network right. and, and taking the conversations we have into their spheres of influence.
and uh, I hate to have to rush off. Oh, today, no, there's a we, thousand more things I'd like to say, but you know what? Sure. We, we're just going to have to do another day. We yeah. will. And so until next time, what, what, what are your marching orders every week? What do we do? We pray for our country. We absolutely pray for do. This nation. Pray for, uh, you know, voting. Just mm -hmm. it's time. Guys, it's time to stand up. Mm -hmm. Let's don't have to fight with the Second Amendment. Let's be able to do it just by voting. Amen. Let's, let's just get it done. Just get it over with. And you know what? Maybe offer some of these people some free one-way trips to Venezuela or something. <laughs> but but let's, like let's yeah, socialism let's, right, and Marxism. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, help you go where there is plenty right. of it. But so. I mean, so please vote. Yes. Uh, pray for our representatives, our leaders, our people that are put in positions of authority and responsibility. Please pray for all of them and their decision-making processes right. and um and and for all of our voters because again we are actively voting in the 2020 election now the the big election day november 3rd is like moments away uh from when you will hear this recording we are in the studio on october uh 14th of 2020 and uh we are really in the down the countdown uh for when we are casting our vote uh and until next time, oh, wait, we forgot to say, pray for, for all of our representatives. How are you feeling about I, that, Dan? I don't know if I have time today to, to do that. <laughs> all of them, yeah. even the ones you don't like. Even those? Especially the ones you don't like. That okay. might take a little more time, but all right. And uh, until next time, uh, have a great week. Be good to each other. And God, God bless. Bye-bye.